Welcome to the 100 Club Podcast, a show designed to elevate the game of senior living sales and marketing leaders. I'm your co-host, Michael Moy, and with me is Corey Mitchell. We're talking to leaders from all different positions and titles, giving you and your team a competitive edge to reach 100% occupancy. We're listening to season one. Let's get into it. Welcome to the 100 Club Podcast. I'm your co-host, Michael Moy, and alongside with me is Corey Mitchell, and we are honored to have guest host Mary-Kate Spires onto the podcast. Uh, Mary-Kate is the leading expert on using data and research to improve marketing ROI. She's worked with dozens of prominent brands from you know all over the United States, including Smartbug, HubSpot, the Arbor Company, to drive leads, return on investment, and customers through digital marketing efforts. With a degree from University of South Carolina in public relations and over 10 years of digital marketing experience, she's widely regarded by marketing executives to influence marketing strategy and achieve high results. Now, that is a quick bio, but if you go to her now updated LinkedIn she is now working at four different places. So Mary Kate, we're again honored is not the right word. Welcome to the show. Thank Welcome you. Show, <laughs> Thanks for having me. Yeah, I like to stay busy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, it looks like it. So tell us a little bit to, about your um, your business that you started and you know you just came out with a, a book. So tell us about the book and and what inspired it? Yeah, yeah. So I actually went out on my own about three, almost three years ago now. Um, I'm a, I've been a full-time consultant really on digital marketing. And in October of last year, I sold all of my clients except one. And then the first week of November, I wrote a book. And I, have, I was doing a bunch of implementation. And I realized that I really wasn't finding a lot of joy in that. I wanted to be doing more of data analysis, strategy, which is what I was doing for the one client that I kept. And so I rebranded myself. Um, I used to be Harley James Consulting and now just Mary-Kate Spires um, and just kind of been rocking and rolling from there. It's been a crazy ride since November 1st. Yeah, that's that's awesome. And so with juggling, I'd, I'd like to just kind of bring up the fact that you are just hustling. You are doing so many different things. So for all the entrepreneurs that are with maybe working in the sales and marketing space um, or just wanting to possibly step into helping out in a, from a consulting perspective, it's a big leap. I mean, that's you're putting yourself out there. So tell, tell more entrepreneurs how to do it and what type of encouragement for them. I got really lucky. Um, I was able to have a full, a quote unquote, full-time consulting opportunity that is freelance. And so it was really easy to make that leap. Um, I had been trying to do it for years before that and was terrified. Um, but I will say like, really just working it and you can still have a job while you're working some other stuff, which, you know, as long as you be on the up and up about it, but <laughs> it, it all starts to work on itself. You know, I, I wrote a book and all of a sudden, you know, I was getting, I got an interview request and things just kind of started happening. And so, and I got a new client and it all just starts to work on itself. So, you know, I kind of take the same approach with marketing, with content and just putting yourself out there and being a thought leader and educating people. And I think I've been successful because I really care 
about people's results. And my client, I get just as excited for my client getting a new customer as I would if I were to get one. Yeah, it's really exciting. It's amazing what happens when you just put yourself out there and you take that leap uh, as an entrepreneur to just, you know, take that risk of working for yourself. So tell me a little bit about what inspired the book and then who is your book for? Yeah, so it's really interesting story what inspired the book. I was applying to speak at a conference probably four years ago. And my client actually recommended I do something for multi-location businesses because there's never anything out there for multi-location businesses. And so that just kind of stuck with me for a really long time. And I kept doing research and there is a little bit of content out there, but a lot of multi-location businesses stay in their own industry. So healthcare, senior living, auto, restaurants, they find what works in their industry and they stick to it. But I found success by looking to other industries, especially when it comes to digital marketing, if the current industry isn't doing that great of a job at it, for ideas and being able to translate that into your industry. And so that's really what the book is about, is taking what other people have been doing for, what, 10 years now and translating that into your industry and across multiple locations. Yeah. So million different directions that I could go with this, but I want to, when did you first get your feet wet with working digital marketing with senior living and then um, kind of your overall impressions, maybe talk about some things that you could see, you know, the industry, because uh, we were talking off, off record here and there was a little bit of a, a gap here. Um, but yeah, just, just talk about some of the things that you've you've learned uh, since working in the senior housing digital marketing space? Yeah, so this is my, um, I'm coming up on my seventh year of digital marketing in the senior living space. Um, I was really lucky I worked at SmartBug Media, which is a HubSpot agency um, before. My very first client was senior living and that was the only client from there on out. Um, So I became very familiar with this space very quickly. Um, and what was so cool was who I was working with actually came to the agency because we didn't have a lot of senior living experience and they wanted that outside industry experience, just like I talk in my book. And because of that, they're leaps and bounds ahead of where other um, operators are. And it's, it's definitely speeding up. Uh, COVID caused a lot of people to realize that digital is important. Um, so we were getting there. I will say, you know, we were, we were at Smash last year and everything was about digital and it's great, but it's, it was so funny to me. The conference was either, it was really good information, but it was either really basic or way too intense. Hmm. And so I think we're trying to find that middle ground where we're doing digital marketing well, but we're not, you know, the Google Analytics masters of the world, which is okay. Um, so yeah, there's, I've done a lot of competitive analysis for senior living and there's, there's a lot of opportunity. Yeah. So maybe for, sorry, maybe for the senior living industry as a whole, speak to different providers, different operators, and maybe walk through the difference of what digital marketing or just marketing automation is maybe the, the difference between that and what sales efforts are doing. Because I think a lot of times, I don't know if, if you kind of experience this from working with clients, a lot of that can be convoluted um, in their efforts. So 
just high level explain the differences? Yeah, absolutely. So I'm really big on inbound marketing, which pretty much just means educating the consumer. Um, and I have a personal vendetta against billboards, which is your typical outbound um, gene for what you have to offer. And so by being able to offer content at whatever stage of the journey someone is in, you establish yourself early as a thought leader and someone who can answer their problems. And so really it's blog content, advertise, uh, Google advertising, Facebook advertising, um, the lead nurturing. Like you said, you know, a lead comes into the website and that lead could be in the website database for two years before sales even knows about it. Mm -hmm. And we've got marketing automation emails going out. We're asking them to download more content. We've got them in newsletters. And so, yeah, there's a whole system that's kind of the before it goes into the, the CRM and becomes that sales qualified lead. And so uh, my big push is always to get as many sales qualified leads as possible. Um, but yeah, I was just looking earlier at all the, I think, one piece of content brought in 60 contacts last month wow. and um, they're not, it was awareness content. So they're not ready to become SQLs yet, but you know, those are people now that we can nurture and try to lead through the process and hopefully, you know, encourage them to come and see a community. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. So I'd be interested to see what you're finding out there as far as like where the top leads are actually coming from. It's a really good question. Um, so I'm always trying to beat um, my aggregators. Uh, <laughs> As much as I can. Um, if, if you're listening, a place for mom, really Karen.com, <laughs> it's I, I okay. Like them. I like them. I'm just very competitive. Um, we are, so I actually, um, Google Organic is our top one. Um, Google My Business is huge, or business profile, I think it's called now. Change it every day. Um, but Google Organic is huge, typically higher intent. Someone is searching for your brand name or exactly what they know they want. Um, and then we've actually recently um, seen a lot of success in Google ads mm -hmm. um, by kind of deploying that same educational value to Google ads instead of just advertising the location. Mm -hmm. And so those are our top two um, right now as far as digital sources. That's good. So maybe this is getting a little bit too granular and then I want to step back and to more high level. So Keyword searches are the ones that, you know, they type in senior living. You want to become the first one that pops up. That's part of SEO, search engine optimization. What are people typing in right now to Google to uh, to ultimately search for your assisted living community? Near me. Oh, my gosh. Show up for near me searches. <laughs> um, and the easiest way to do that is through Google, um, Google Business Profile. Um, fun fact. This is actually my book, which I find this the most fun fact, and I didn't know it about a year ago. If you search best blank near me, mm. Google will automatically remove anyone with less than a 4.0 rating from your results. Wow. So if you don't have a 4.0 rating, you're Replay that, out. everybody. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Say that one more time. Yeah. I really want people to understand. So if you type in, in your Google search, best senior living community near me, Google makes it a 0.4 mile radius of wherever you're at. at oh, not a radius, a review. So you have to have a, a ranking review. of four or higher to be shown mm -hmm. as best. And that's best senior living near me, mm. best senior living Atlanta. Every, yeah. That's any anything that includes that best, they're going to remove you from the rankings if you do not have at least a 4.0 rating 
in your reviews. That's that's incredible. That's there's action point number one is to get your sales team to increase reviews, do it in different ways. You know, you could probably suggest the best ways to to get those reviews. Ask in person. Yep. Uh, there's a lot of tools out there, but just ask. Just ask in person. They'll do it. Yeah. What's the worst that can happen, right? The worst that they can say is, is no. And then also that kind of segues into um, one of your favorite chapters. My favorite chapter um, is just knowing your customers and knowing, no, excuse me, knowing thy customers <laughs> and co- competition. Uh, and you lead off the chapter by stating, you know, two fundamental principles of building a rock solid foundation. And that's to know your customers, to know your competition. Tell us more about that idea and maybe are marketers missing out on on this opportunity? Yeah, and I'll say I see this a lot in senior living in particular um, because senior living has been around a long time and senior living marketing has been around a long time and a lot of things have worked in the past that aren't working now. Mm -hmm. And we get a lot of people who trust their gut and your gut is not the worst thing, but it's usually good to have something to back it up with. And so taking the time to actually interview current customers, past customers, leads that didn't convert, potential leads, and really understand, one, why they're looking for senior living. What happened? You know, did someone fall? Did finance, like, what was the trigger that caused that to happen? There's all of your content you could possibly want. Um, And where were they searching? You know, did they find you on Facebook? Okay, let's be on Facebook. Did did they Google search? We should be investing more in SEO. By, uh, by really talking to the people you want to be in front of, that's where you're going to get the best information for your marketing. Your strategy is almost going to write itself. Yeah. So speaking yeah. of strategy, what are you? What do you think is like some of the old stuff that you mentioned that just doesn't work anymore? That's just we're wasting money, print ads, billboards. If you're a brand new community, you know, you're trying to get brand awareness, get your name out there. And you're, you know, you're maybe in a smaller town or something. You're trying to get, you know, traffic because it's brand new. But if you, if you're an established place, you would say billboards not worth the money. Well, I would um, argue that billboards not worth the money no matter what. And I say that because in my book, I actually did the math and you can run Facebook ads and get the same brand awareness, but targeted instead of just anyone who drives by your billboard for less spend. And so, and that's where knowing your buyers come into play because the more targeted you can make your digital ads, the less they're going to cost. And while I appreciate the McDonald's billboard every time I see it when I'm hungry, (laughs) I have never read a senior living billboard or real estate one or anything. Um, And Brand awareness can't be discounted. I, I talk about that too. It's really hard to measure. So you do have to take that into account. And maybe that is print ads with a new community. But again, is it better to be in an HOA uh, magazine that is going to be a lot less expensive, but more in front of your target audience? It's really just making the strategic decisions. Um, television, most people don't do commercials anymore. They do over-the-top or OTT ads for streaming and because it's targeted. It's really just about... Someone once told me that all marketing works, which is 100% true, but it's really if it's going to work for you. Mm. So a billboard will work for McDonald's, but is it really going to work for senior living? And it might. I mean, if you have the data to back it up, then go for it. Yeah, prove it. Exactly. (laughs) Prove it. Yeah, so that... 
I'm curious because in the in the chapter that we were just talking about is the buyer persona. So knowing the buyer profile, that's more demographics, trying to understand just age, very high level information. But then knowing your buyer persona, that's more granular. So getting to know what they're motivated, you know, what inspires them, what they wear in the morning, just everything about your, you know, I, I know some people even get so intimate that they call their their. Pers- oh, we have names for our buyers. Names, so, yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> so, and we talk about them like so people wrong. as one should. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So with that, with that being said, maybe talk about some best practices. Whether it is focus groups, you're talking about going to these communities, because when you're talking to multi-site locations, it's hard to stay, get a pulse of of each buyer yep. and their regions that are associated with. And as you can imagine, it's probably different, right? Yeah. So walk through best practices there. Yeah, absolutely. So definitely starting at the global standpoint with all of your product lines. So, mm-hmm. you know, you should be interviewing people who bought independent living, assisted living, memory care, whatever you have to offer. And then you should also try to be looking in the different regions. And if you get to a point, so you need a really broad base. I think I interviewed about 30 people for my last client for their buyer personas. Mm-hmm. And that was the refresh of them, not even the original ones. And so by having that big pulse chat, then if you notice something really wonky in, let's just say New Jersey, because that's fun, um, (laughs) you can, you can go and say, okay, we need to go and have actual New Jersey personas. Mm -hmm. Or if you're new to a market, that's a great way to, if you've never been in that market before, do the buyer persona research. You don't need to interview 30 people But if you can find people to talk to or even just do a pay for a survey, get whatever you can, it's going to make a really big difference. And, you know, if something's not working in one market, that's usually I usually say global unless something's wonky or new market or you just know it's completely different. We all have those cities that defy all odds. Right. right. So walk me through your process of company hires you. You go into one community location. Like here's step one, here's step two, here's step three. This is what I do. I really want to understand exactly how you're going in and, and doing this for a company. Yeah. So actually the first thing I do is a competitor audit. Um, I call it a, rep- a competitor report card. It even like there's literal grades on it. And top three competitors, I'm looking at what the brand is doing or location. This could be, I like to do this location specific, mm-hmm. um, but this could be location or brand. But what the location is doing digitally versus their top three competitors. And that exercise alone usually opens up a lot of opportunities. You know, you can see that, oh, the competitor has their location page. It's just one page on their website, but this competitor actually has six pages of local information. So what's the best? And what I like to do is once I look at all that competitor information, then I go back to the buyer personas and I say, Mm -hmm. okay, What are the competitors doing that we should be doing or what should we be doing better based on what we know about our buyers? Because obviously we're all going after very similar buyers, but the competitor might not have done the research. So we can't just assume that they're right, no matter who they are, how much money they have. Yeah. And then one of the industry practices for senior living operators across country is speed to lead. And the way that you get better speed to lead is through better, more targeted 
marketing efforts and more qualified. And I think that's what you're getting at with knowing your buyer, knowing the actual person that's going to be walking through the door. Now you're going to be able to, to come up quicker on, uh, you know, if you are hosting that local stuff on your website yeah. or if you're doing it better, you have a better opportunity to convert. And a lot of senior living communities do not have local content. Um, so it'll be, you know, brand location insert here. Um, and they'll have all their information and what they offer, but there is nothing about the town that they're in. Hmm. And so are you really going to show up for best senior living in Atlanta? Well, you're not talking about Atlanta. So that, you know, that's an opportunity. You, it's just like back in the day when you needed, you should still be, but be embedded in your community. You also need to be embedded in your online community. Yeah, that's a good point. So it, even when, so when you're thinking about, competition, not doing that. So that's easy one to, to utilize, make sure you're always having content on your page. That way, you, you know, you're able to, to show up on websites, best of all that good stuff, but then talk to the person that does not have content on their page. Like, yikes. I know that you're, <laughs> you're, I know that like hurts your it soul. Does, it, hurts. it hurts your soul, but people are doing it. You, you just established that. So talk to, about the importance of, of putting content on the page and then maybe even like, what type of content needs to be on the site ASAP. Yeah. Yeah. So the easiest way, in my opinion, to do this, if you have absolutely no content is do your corporate first, um, get your corporate house in order because it's going to follow your corporate buyer personas. And then, you know, you, then you can worry about the offshoots, but do your greatest, Mm-hmm. viable product together and you know you need decision stage content why should someone choose you is very important hopefully that's on your website um i i would say find a topic that you feel really confident that you can create content for let's just say that's dementia mm-hmm. um and so build out a really really good resource for the every stage of the funnel for dementia so it would be you know how do it we've done a webinar. Is it dementia or normal aging? That's a great top of the funnel question that people are going to ask. Okay. Middle of the funnel. What are the options if my mom has dementia? Okay. Home care, senior living, adult daycare, all these things. Mm -hmm. And then why should I choose a memory care community? And so that by doing it all in one funnel, you can nurture people instead of Oh, they downloaded your awareness guide and now they have nothing left to do. <laughs> um, but so I would definitely do them in funnels. But and then once you're once you're through with that, then you move on to the, the community content. So I, I call it localization at scale. Mm. So trying to take advantage of all of the resources of all of your communities and you know, putting it out. So you once you know your corporate content's working, you can download that sucker and put a new logo on it for every single community and pop it right back up on the internet. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, there's some things you need to worry about with SEO there. Um, Don't let Google track all that duplicate content, but, (laughs) um, and then now you've got, not only does corporate brand have this amazing guide, but local community that I know my mom is going to live at has this resource to help me. Whereas I may have never heard of the corporate brand before. So let's dive in a little bit more granular about the website. So tell me what you think. So as far as what I see out there, it's a lot of stock photos. 
Yeah. Um, not a lot of live chat to capture those leads that are coming through. And then I think it's becoming more popular now, but pricing on the website was something that we tried maybe two and a half years ago that we wanted to put on. What do you think about those things and what are you seeing out there? Put your pricing on the website. Thank you. Mm. Thank you. Thank you. No one. Okay. You know, I, I'm sorry. <laughs> I demo a lot of software. I buy a lot of things. If I can't find pricing on the website, I go to someone else. So if your competitor has pricing on the in website, even if it's more, they know now what they're getting and they're going to feel more comfortable calling. I feel very strongly about putting pricing on the website. Yeah, I mean, there's a, there's a lot of psychological things about putting pricing on the website. And like, uh, maybe this is something you can or cannot talk about, but this is something that we're very passionate about because you, you're, you're com competing with those aggregators, right? Yes. So those are the ones that are going to be, if you don't have that pricing, someone down the road is going to have that pricing. It's going to get aggregated to them. They're going to send out the lead to, to everybody and their mom, literally. <laughs> and it's, it's going to cost you money. Yeah. So on the heels of costing you money, knowing your, your buyer persona, all of that, your efforts, this, this type of information that we're talking about is saving you money. Yes. So marketing, you're, you're probably tired of, of talking, like trying to, state your value of, of marketing. Like I, I know my value. I know I'm driving in MQLs to SQLs. So like kind of talk to the people that maybe are skeptical of the marketing side of things because it's like, Oh, well, I don't know how you, how do you measure it or anything like that? Talk to the, the naysayer of, of love naysayers. <laughs> I love data. Um, I love looking at two things. Um, in senior living, I like looking at three metrics, cost per lead, cost per tour, and cost per move-in. Mm -hmm. We all know the value of, hopefully, we all know the value of a move-in. Um, and so, and also it's very easy to compare to the uh, what an aggregator is going to cost you per move-in. <laughs> um, and so, as long as my cost per move-in is lower than the aggregators, I'm good. Yeah. Um, but that's, that's a really easy way. Um, and I use that to make sure my quality's high, but that is a good way to say, okay, if we invest this much, we're likely to get this many movements. Not so much in the senior living industry, but in other companies, I like to also look at ROI. Um, it's usually a nice big number that makes you feel feel good. Mm -hmm. um, so you have to be careful about that. I think for a, a group of communities, we have like a 350% marketing ROI, which sounds amazing, but what does that really mean mm -hmm. comparatively? And so that's where we like to look at cost per and I like cost per as well because I rack and stack all of the communities and especially if you're one person or a team of a few people you cannot give all communities all attention all the time mm -hmm. and so it's a really great way to say okay here's some red flags here's what I need to be focusing on right now so again with pricing on the websites back to senior living yeah no that's good because I think a lot of digital marketing's role in the, the landscape is to meet the prospect at their journey. So making sure that you're finding the right time, you know, meeting them the right time, the right place and having the content and all the, the stuff for it. Um, but maybe talk about some things that you're seeing that you're doing or other people are doing effectively that helps effectively persuade buyers to going, maybe making the decision sooner rather than they would have originally anticipated. So that's hard. That's actually really hard. I'm I'm currently working through that for a client. Um, 
getting someone from a marketing qualified lead to a sales qualified lead is one of my top priorities for a client right mm-hmm. now because you can tell they're looking but can't seem to get them to call and talk to the community. And what I've actually what I have testing right now is um, community specific lead nurturing. So we're actually doing it all with smart content. It's the most intricate thing I've ever done, and I only do one one community and one piece of content a day because I'm so afraid of messing it up. Um, but for every single piece of content, we're creating smart fields so that when someone downloads that Atlanta community's content, they're going to get that same Atlanta community email for their brochure, their floor plans, their Mm. virtual tour. So we're trying to drive everything local faster Mm -hmm. and that it, it's very new. So I can't tell you it's working, but it, we're seeing it start to work a little bit. And so it's a theory. Um, but I believe that people, especially in senior living want to know about where they're going to be. The corporate brand is great. Um, but that location is what really matters. And so being able to connect with them earlier through a sale, you know, we have it come from the salesperson. And so if they reply, great, now they're sales qualified lead. Mm -hmm. Um, and so it's really about making that connection right away instead of just kind of a big corporate brand sending you emails. Through all of your research, what are you finding are like the top lead sources that convert to tours and movies? So organic search is the best, um, which is not surprising. Um, which is just Google. Yes. Yes. So Google, Yahoo, Bing, not really Yahoo. Which a lot of people, I, I want to put a disclaimer out there. Many people just think of Google being as like, every oh, everybody uses Google. I, I've heard, tell me if I'm wrong, but if I've heard that there's a, a number of people still using Yahoo and Bing and there's different, like the algorithms and everything. They operate in different ways. So is that true? I'm not hundred percent sure about the algorithms, but I will tell you, especially in senior living, Bing is actually used more than you would think because if someone gets a computer and it's a PC, the automatic search engine is Bing. They don't mm-hmm. think to go to Google. They just search in the tab. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of people are actually doing searches on Bing. Um, we actually even ran a test of Bing ads because we had that theory and we, we saw some of them convert, but yeah, you need, you know, Bing has a places too. They have maps. You need to make sure you're there. Um, there's got it. Yeah. Search engines is you can spray and pray. You need to optimize for all of them. They do follow the similar tactics because Google is obviously winning the game. I mean, the second search engine is YouTube. So Google has one and two unlock and, so they're they're going to copy some of that. Of course, yeah. Google doesn't give away all of their secrets. So typically, for search engine optimization in general, if you're optimizing for your customer, for them to get the information they're actually looking for, yeah, you need keywords. You need to do the research. There's a lot of technical side of it too. But at the end of the day, if you are trying to make a good experience for your customer, you're going to rank well in the search rankings. So how important are the reviews through Google or being, I should say, um, to drive traffic. They're so important. I can't stress it enough. Um, I don't know about Bing, but I do have a fun fact about Google that I'm embarrassed to say I didn't know this until about a year ago. But in Google, if you search best community, best senior living in Atlanta, Google will give you results. But if your community has less than a 4.0 rating in reviews, 
you're automatically removed from the rankings. So you don't even have a chance to be in front of people. And they're getting more important every day. So replay that. So definitely replay that and understand the importance of ranking high on your reviews. So if you're not trying to collect reviews immediately start today, uh, there's a number of ways that you can diff- you can do it. But I mean, that just goes to show and think about just from a buyer perspective, how many times that you've searched best something or trying to, you know, you, you are going off of those reviews. Absolutely. Real people trust real people. Exactly. I don't, yeah, your website can say all sorts of great things, but your reviews are real people. And I will also say, I am going to trust a community that has a hundred reviews and a 4.7 rating than I am a community that has four and a five-star rating. Mm. I think that's important to note too, because yeah, that might help with the algorithm. It really doesn't. You need multiple reviews too, but you might think like, oh, we got four, you know, we're good. And you have to be authentic in everything you're doing. And that includes your reviews. Yeah. So how do you get more reviews? You ask for them. (laughs) Um, there's tools out there. I use reputation.com, amazing company. Um, you can integrate through your CRM. There's all sorts of things you can do. Um, but tried and true way is to ask someone. Um, be a little careful of Wi-Fi. If you're if you're asking people all on the same Wi-Fi or IP address, Google will um kill those reviews. They'll think it's mm-hmm. spam. So ask someone to do it when they get home um, or use their phone, not connected to your Wi-Fi. Um, but people will usually do it. And I think it's important to, you should be asking your customers, your families, your residents. You can also ask your referral partners. You can also ask, you know, the vendors that come in, anyone who has had an experience with your community can leave a review. Yeah, that's great. So um Get reviews now, obviously very important. And then um, talk to us about more of the digital marketing landscape of like maybe some of the the lead sources or the ways that you are generating the most traffic. And then maybe talking about the, the highest conversion rates between, you know, uh, you, you mentioned that Google search is, is the best at getting in the MQLs, but are those the ones that are translating into the SQLs and then ultimately into the movements? Yes. So... Google searches have the organic in general, high intent, typically has the best conversion rates, typically fastest too. Um, So very important, very much worth all of the effort that goes into ranking there. And you're not going to be one, but you can be on the first page. Um, We're never going to be our aggregators at everything, but you can still be on that first page. Um, But Google ads, we've actually seen a lot of success with recently. Um, by looking at it as more of a informative approach instead of just just like a billboard, um, just advertising your location or yeah. print ad, um, you know, showing up when people are searching for really high level stuff that you have educational content on. Um, referrals are really good. If you have, I love um, local partners. You know, ask them to put you on their website as a trusted partner. Mm. Vice versa, link swap. Um, write a blog about them, ask them to put your blog on their website, you know, all sorts of stuff. Um, so we can get a lot that those typically will convert well to, um, social media, not seeing great results at the moment, seeing a lot better, um, than pre pandemic. Mm -hmm. So interesting how that'll continue to go, but Google ads and Google search are still 
the uh, the front runners. But they're all that they're all played together, right? Yes, so, and that thank you. That's actually yeah. really good to note. And I really focus on this when I'm doing analytics mm-hmm. because it can be really easy to look just let's use Google Ads. So we can spend a lot of money on Google mm-hmm. Ads. And let's say you are you have only one customer that actually the first thing they clicked was a Google ad. So Google ads got the credit, but did they maybe click on the Google ad the third time they went to your website? Mm. And so by looking at everything as a whole, and it, I mean, I really like to do it with offline too, to be perfectly honest, it gives you a better idea of how your marketing is working together. It's hard because you can't really track brand awareness. I wish I could. Um, But by looking at it all together, you're going to get a more realistic picture where you could jump the gun on Google ads or Facebook ads, because it may seem like they're not working, but in actuality they are. Mm -hmm. So don't make rash decisions. What kind of things offline are you using that works? If anything, I don't love offline. It's a personal issue. Um, direct mail will work sometimes. Um, I have this thing where I am trying really hard to get direct mail to work. Um, I think like, I love getting mail. So I feel like there's got, there's some, there's, there's a secret to it. I know it. Mm. Um, so it'll work sometimes. Um, usually like events, you know, inviting someone, a good call to action will work. Um, a new community definitely want to get out there as much as you can. I like doing HOA print ads and they're less expensive and they're more targeted. My big thing really is using your buyer profile, demographics, all of that to target things as much as possible. So senior ROI does amazing direct mail lists that are much more targeted than you can get through other vendors. And, um, I had another one. I lost it. Um, HOA is going to be more targeted because you know the people living in that area. It's a pl- it's a 55 plus community. Yeah. So you're going to get people who you're trying to reach. So my big thing is really trying to be as targeted as possible. I don't like spending money, which is very odd for a marketer. Um, but typically, the more targeted you are in any marketing, the less it's going to cost. Yeah, that's good. And, and I think... It's it's what people are wanting right now. It, people are wanting, you know, actionable marketing efforts. They want to be able to track the return on investment, but they want to do it in a you know budget friendly way. And going back to what we were discussing earlier, is that the more that you understand your buyer, knowing their journeys, being able to do more organic things, now you're able to set the store set the stage to do it in a more profitable way. But then understand where your marketing, you need to deploy your marketing efforts, what's driving in rever- conversions and all that. Yes. Yeah. Tracking is key. And big because even when something doesn't work, it's still a success because you have that information that it didn't work and mm-hmm. you can change it. Yeah. So it, that tracking is just invaluable. You, and that's all, all the way through. <laughs> nice, nice <laughs> microphone bump there. <laughs> I'm really energetic with my yeah. hands. Um, that's all the way through to the customer. I'm from lean to customer, understanding what they did. You know, did they pick up the phone and call? Did they live chat? As much as you can connect all of that, you're going to get so much more feedback and understand what's actually working. 
Yeah. So I want to talk a little bit more about the website. So somebody Googles your website, they click on it and they go to it. What kind of things should be on every senior living community's website? If you don't have this, you're not with the times. Give us some examples of like what drives you crazy that you're not seeing out there and then what should actually be on that website. So the first thing I'm going to say is if I get taken to your corporate website instead of your community location, Mm -hmm. that drives me insane. (laughs) Um, A community should have its own quote unquote website. It doesn't need to be on its own domain, but it needs to be on its own ecosystem. In my opinion, Mm -hmm. Um, that is big. You need to be given as much information to your potential customer as possible, because if they don't get it from you, they'll get it from someone else. And we don't need to give anyone an excuse to leave your website. That's ridiculous. And so, you know, there's a big debate in the senior living industry about pricing and pricing should be on the website. I go, I buy all sorts of random tools and again, see software as a service. If the pricing is not on the website, I'm not going to call them. I don't want to talk to you. Mm-hmm. I want to make a lot of my decision before talking to someone. And that's okay. You're going to get people who they don't even go to your website. They see your reviews on Google. They click to call. They've never been to your website, but they want to talk to you that's great. You can tell them all about your pricing, but then you're going to get people like me. who are going to do tons of research because they just don't like to talk on the phone. (laughs) And so you need to be able to meet your, your potential customer where they are and give them that information on how they want to receive it. It's not about us. It's about them. Because again, even if your competitors aren't giving them that information, the aggregators are. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, that was what we were finding earlier, you know, when we were in the seats of a sales and marketing director and we found that a ton of people just found pricing off of aggregator websites. And now that's how they're collecting that information. Now you're up against in other communities. And so that's... And what if that pricing isn't accurate? And, and most times it's not, it's not. And you've got outdated, antiquated pictures on those and you're probably losing out on more people. So it's the cost per lead, you know, your CPL, whatever you, you call it. I mean, that's just going to be going up exponentially. The more that you do not create a compelling story for them to stay on your website. Yes. We shouldn't be giving anyone a reason to leave your website unless they're closing their computer to go walk into your community. I love that. I love that. And I think that that's so, so critical right now. So, um, so talk to us about the, the technology stacks that, you're seeing on websites that are effectively, so whether it's, you know, the, the chats or anything, because as we're talking about buyer journey, you just alluded to it. You don't like talking on the phone. When my husband calls me, I cringe, (laughs) which, which, which makes every salesperson uh, really sad inside because they just like talking to people. Um, But some people like to interact with chat. Some people like to just get quick information uh, in different types of formats and platforms. So, Talk to me about the, the things that are working for different buyers. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you have to have it all these days because people expect it because they're going to get it on, you know, the Uber website. You're com- you're not just competing with other senior living companies. You're competing with the entire internet and the experience mm-hmm. of the internet. And we all know if you get onto a website that is HTML, you're going to immediately click off. <laughs> um, yeah. But chat. Chat is big. Bots are big right now. Um, People are really liking to interact with bots because if you have a lot of information on your website, they might want 
to try to find it more quickly mm-hmm. instead of clicking through your website. So bots help with that. Live chat is huge because you really just want to connect with someone, but you don't really want to talk to them on the phone. Or maybe it's after hours and mom had a fall and it's two in the morning and I really would like to talk to somebody or the people who just pick up the phone and call. And then there's form fills, which I'm the, that's mine. Yeah. Um, I will wait for you to email me back and I will not pick up the phone when you call, but I will text you. Um, And, and then, you know, it even goes to content. Interactive tools are huge. A cost cap, put a cost calculator web on your website. If you're worried about pricing, if you're worried about sticker shock of your pricing, create a tool to explain why it's the price it is. You should be educating your customer instead of hiding information from them. I love interactive tools. They're so successful. I'm, I mean, everyone I've ever tried has worked really well. Yeah. Yeah, that's. I mean, you have to have that those type of interactive tools because, again, people are, are in different stages, all that good stuff. So they need to be able to. It, it's it's more multifaceted because they're interacting with your content. But then, like we said earlier, we want them to stay on the website. We want you to be able to to get oh, as I won't much. Let leave okay, me. I'll just say a lot of people. You know, there. I'll say there's a lot of differences between marketing people and sales, but reality is they just need to complement each other really well. And what sales people really need to know and what providers really need to know is that the more that you can gather, think about this as your discovery process. Person comes in inquiry, you're wanting to get to know, ask all the right questions and marketing this type of stuff is helping that funnel to where once they actually come through as a sales qualified lead or a sales, you know, SQL, now kind of already done like majority of the work. And so Absolutely. that person feels heard, the you know, the sales director, depending on what type of integration you have with your CRM, how much information is pushing through, now they know what they like, what they're motivated, all that good exactly. stuff. Exactly. And you don't have to repeat yourself. Mm-hmm. If I filled out a form a year ago and told you I was interested in amenities, and then you start talking to me about pets. Mm-hmm. Okay. Or you ask me again what I'm interested in. That's mm-hmm. just annoy- annoying, mm-hmm. for lack of a better word. Um, so it is. It's that more information, the better. I love, you know, I love the bots because of that. I don't ask all those questions and send it as, you know, as long as you have an integrated system, highly recommend um, you get all that information to your sales team um, because they need to be armed to, to close that lead. I mean, marketing can, can only do so much and without marketing, there's no sales and without sales, there's no marketing. So you really have to work together. Yeah. Right. So, okay. So let's marketing's done its job. And now you got someone that's Googled your community and they call your community. One, talk about call tracking, what you think about it. And then two, what you're seeing at the community level, as far as just the experience that people are having with just calling the community to try to get more information. Yeah. So calls are something I'm really focused on right now in general. Um, I love call tracking. Uh, call rail is, is who I use. They're, they're actually here in Atlanta. Um, and it's even actually a relatively inexpensive product for what you get out of it. And you can create tracking URL or not URLs, um, phone numbers, and you can even put them on print on your billboards, whatever you want. You can know if someone <laughs> called that number. Um, but what's really cool is you put, I'm, 
as much as I love digital marketing, I'm not a technical person. You put some code on your website and through the magic of the software, um, they're able to tell if someone comes to your website and picks up the phone and calls how they got to your website. Mm. So I know if they came through Google or if they came through Google ads or Facebook or email, you know, whatever it was. Um, and so it's just an extra layer of reporting because calls can really a lot of times just be forgotten. We're not really worrying about it. You see your form fills and you're happy. And if your CRM is not connected to call tracking in any way, there's a chance those leads never make it into your CRM. And mm-hmm. so as a marketer, one of the things I will do is um, if someone is asking me for more leads, I will go and look into the, the call tracking software and start listening to some calls and see if there's missed opportunities there. Um, and that's usually my advice is, okay, well, we need to figure out a better way to be collecting these leads that are coming in. That's a hot lead. They're, mm-hmm. If they're caught again, who wants to talk on the phone? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And when they do, when they, yeah, yeah, you know, they finally muster the courage to reach out and, and talk, they get most of the time, in my experience, you're getting to talk to the front desk person who won't give you the pricing. Yep. They'll say, oh, well, let me transfer you to the sales director. You get their voicemail. You may or may not get, get a call back. I'm still waiting on some calls back from senior living mm-hmm. places um, from about a year probably two years ago. Um, it's a really frustrating experience. Speed delete is huge, um, especially if they're calling you. Um, and honestly, I think it's something that each individual organization is going to have to figure out what's best for themselves. Um, salespeople are busy. Or if you're doing your job right, your salespeople are busy. <laughs> we hope you are busy. <laughs> so give us some examples of what you would what you would say is maybe some answers to this problem. Yeah. I mean, in a it's not a perfect solution, but definitely, you know, a press one for sales and it's routed to an internal call center or an outsourced call center that of course, you know, you're auditing and making sure they're treating your potential customers just like you would um, and doing a good job. But there, there's just so much missed opportunity in those leads. And even with the cost of things like adding more people on for an internal call center or outsourcing it, when you start doing the math of the cost of a missed uh, call is really depressing. Um, And it makes, it makes that worth it. And so, and, you know, maybe you put another salesperson on staff to be available. I think there's a lot of options, but if you're not listening to the recordings coming in at your, to your community or don't even have recordings set up there, there's definitely stuff going on that you wouldn't be happy about. I would assume, unless there's perfect communities out there, I'm sure. Yeah, of course. Um, yeah, there's there's a number of different directions. I'm I'm such a pro internal person. I like having everything internal. Um, I really just have a hard time wrapping my mind around just like the need of doing a call center because that should be the salesperson's job to not only be fielding those calls. I get it. Like they're sometimes doing a tour, but also building a culture of like we can also save a ton of money by not doing a call center, but then teaching your front desk to be able to host those calls and to be able to, to, to take those inbounds and to do them really well. Right. Well, Um, I mean, put your receptionist on your, um, on your CRM, let them at least put the name and phone number on there. So it's documented. Don't, don't rely on pen and paper anymore. I throw paper away. All the time. <laughs> it's 2022. How, how then we can get it. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm to cut you off. How, how important, what, like what you're finding out there, how important is it to have a good CRM? 
It's more important than anything in the world. Why? Um, so I, <laughs> I wrote for a client, what I call a manifesto. My husband told me to stop calling it that, but I refuse. Um, and it was during COVID and everyone was calling me and they said, we need more leads. We need more leads. And I was in tears because I wanted so badly to help them and I wanted to bring them more leads, but short of knocking on people's doors, what else was I supposed to do? <laughs> no one was searching for senior living. And so it made me sit down and this, I, I talk about this in my book because it really kind of helped me figure out my process for all of this. But I sat down and I just started digging through the data. I stopped listening to what other people were saying. And I just started looking at everything. My CRM at the time was not integrated to my marketing automation software. And I spent probably 18 hours pulling individually every single customer that came in to, and matching them to the marketing software to find their original source. And I even did that from a tour and opportunity standpoint so I could really understand where the breakdown was happening. And I went back and read my, my manifesto. Um, gosh, not that long. Actually, I read it right before I started writing my book. And in there, I wrote about 20 times, nothing I am suggesting will work unless we get a new CRM mm -hmm. because that feedback is invaluable. You're only going to get feedback from your local teams if something is really, really bad or really, really good. You're not going to get those minute things that, oh, hey, this one ad seems to be bringing in a lot of unqualified leads. We should probably turn it off. We would have never gotten that without an integrated CRM. And that's just from a marketing standpoint, not even a sales standpoint of a CRM. Um, but my biggest advice to really anyone is if you are using a CRM, it needs to be integrated into your marketing system to the point where I would, I mean, we, I helped a client choose a CRM because it did integrate into this system, but I would even go as far as to say, I would sacrifice my marketing software so that if it would integrate into the CRM, that's how important it is. Yeah. I mean, that's such a good point. I appreciate Corey trying to make a plug for <laughs> Yes. And HubSpot uh, and Welcome Home uh, integrate very nicely. The goal of the podcast is to to try to not make it as, as salesy as possible, but uh, I appreciate that. So, so talking on the marketing automation component to it, you are a big proponent of which type of marketing automation programs? So HubSpot, okay. I um, I actually got my start in digital marketing really because of HubSpot. Um, I joke that I joined their cult and drank the Kool-Aid. Um, I'm really sorry for everyone. I'm probably offending with how I'm talking. <laughs> it's, um, it's okay. It's okay. It's where we're at. It's the evening. Yeah. Um, but I absolutely love it. They kind of coined inbound marketing, which is that educational approach instead mm -hmm. of that for lack of a better word, salesy, hey, look at me, used cars salesman approach. Um, and I just locked into that software to be perfectly, again, I'm not very technical. It's the easiest to use of all of them. I have tried. Um, and they have some, they've built out the tool a lot. Um, so you don't need as many integrations from when I was using it back in the day, but it it will integrate, it will do what you need it to do. And you you can actually everything into it. So it's your email system, it's your social media system, it's your landing page, your blog, your website. And so 
the nice thing about that, and I would recommend, even if it's not HubSpot, that's just my experience, but I would recommend finding one of those all-in-one platforms because it makes your tracking and reporting a million times easier. Um, Again, integrated CRM is a big part, but imagine if your email isn't talking to your database and you have to go, you, you know, it just, there's so many nightmares of data that those types of softwares that pull it all together are worth every penny inconvenience and the information that you get out of them. Yeah, it's great. So I'm super curious, whenever you're going into these communities and they need help, and then you start to offer your help, hey, we need to do this to the website, we need to add call tracking. Do you get a lot of pushback and a lot of old way of thinking? Like, no, we like to do it this way. Yes. You yes, do. I do. Yeah. <laughs> So how do you kind of combat that? And like, how, how do you go through and say like, what's more important? Like, okay, so there's a lot of cheap ways to do this. Like like the live chat on the website is super cheap. Oh yeah. Call you... tracking is super cheap. So how do you go in and you say like, Hey, this is what we're going to do. It's not going to cost a lot up front. or what is your process with that? Yeah. I mean, I always go back to the data again. I mean, it's the one thing that doesn't have a gut instinct and as a consultant, I can just tell you what to do, but if you don't want to do it, that's fine. Um, but Look at the data. A big thing I like to do is actually A-B tests. Let's prove it. Is your way or my way? Let's see what converts better. Digital is amazing because you can test whatever you want without it even costing more. And so by kind of proving those results in Google search, you know, a lot of people like to use the term a senior living because it's not as old sounding or it's mm. not as, you know, um, care sounding. But if you go into Google Trends, senior care or senior living doesn't have nearly the searches as assisted living. So we need to be figuring out what people are actually searching for and and doing that. And so that type of data is what you can bring back to someone and say, hey, I know you think this, but Google, the keeper of all things, is telling us that it's actually this. Let's at least try it. And so, and usually, you know, hopefully you do a test and it works and you slowly get more buy-in. But yeah, it, and I will say, I love doing pilots too. So even if it's a corporate brand and we're not hundred percent sure if something's going to work, let's throw it on two or three communities in different markets and see what happens. It's not going to be nearly as expensive as rolling it out everywhere. And again, even something not working is success because now we know we don't have to worry about that. Like a bot. Oh, mm-hmm. now it didn't work. Now we, until, you know, probably, probably have to reassess in a few years because everything's always changing. But for right now, we know we don't need a bot. So let's go on to the next thing. Out of curiosity, are people still searching for nursing homes? Oh yeah. Is that like one of the top ranked? Yeah. It's not nearly as much as assisted living, huh. um, but I want to say it's, Assisted living, dementia care, nursing homes. Mm. And there's a fun way to combat that with blog content. You can kind of say like Mm. nursing home or old folks home. I like that question. No way. You know, there's, there's ways to get around. (laughs) You should be very intentional with your content, making sure you're actually answering people's questions and not keyword stuffing, but it's important. And as much as you hate it, I mean, Unfortunately, and we all know the F word in assisted or in senior living. Don't is, say it. I know. Don't say it. Are you going to say it? My parent, my <laughs> close friends and family say it just to annoy me. <laughs> and it's hilarious. Um, but we all know the F word. I won't even say it. And, but are people searching for the F word? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. 
And so I'm not saying you need to put it on every page of your website, mm. but are you missing opportunity? Because especially it's, we all knew what the F word was before I, I didn't even have to say it. And so your competitors aren't using it. Maybe you should be using it. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's an easy way to rank higher than them. I think it's a, it's a good point. And then it's also maybe a humbling point too, because no matter how much you want to change your vernacular and how much you want to say like the language that speaks well to you. And though, though that's great intentions and everything, that's not where the buyer is necessarily searching or where they're, you know, where their mindset is or where maybe it's your job to to educate them, which is what you're talking about. Yes. And that's exactly what you do. You know, dementia care versus memory care is a big one. And to the point where we're still always testing it Mm. and it, you have to kind of explain, and it's, it's interesting to look at all of it together because dementia care is usually what people search before they've been to a doctor, whereas memory care is after. So it's a little mm. bit of a higher intent is memory care, but, you, but on your memory care page, hopefully you have more than one page for your location. Um, you can talk about how your memory care neighborhood is to help those with dementia and Mm. you can use the terms together to kind of bridge the gap for people. And so you don't have to just speak their language, but you do have to, to weave it in there. So you're saying to do this with blogs on your website, but also maybe even like your Facebook page to have these different types of education with keywords that will make you rise in those Google ranks. Yes. I would be a little careful on Facebook because people can comment. Um, We all know how mean people can get. But um, yeah, your website copy, your blog copy, ad copy, I mean, really anywhere. And again, just test it. If it doesn't work, stop it. I mean, it as long as it's nothing absolutely horrible, it'll probably be okay to test it. Yeah, that's great. So I'm um, we're we're running close up on one time, and I I honestly wish that we had another hour because it could be easily, <laughs> easily have been dissected on all this information, and especially coming from two sales folks, we're just like eating all this up. So, if you don't mind, just sharing just where you can be found and where people can buy your book uh, on the map, and yeah, yeah. So um, it's Mary Kate with the C, which always trips everybody up, but I am. I can be found just about anywhere except TikTok. I don't do TikTok. Um, <laughs> I think you have a vendetta against TikTok. I, I'm not <laughs> as much as billboards, but I am against it. <laughs> close, close. <laughs> I, it's one of those things where I just feel old when I get on that. Um, but it's MaryKateSpires.com, Facebook, Instagram. Um, I am relatively active on everything except Twitter. I'm. It's too fast for me. Um, but I've got some great content on my website. I actually have a getting started checklist for multi-locations to get started with digital marketing and goes through the track, kind of everything we've talked about, like those key steps that are important to, to get your feet wet with everything. Yeah. Well, Mary Kate, it's been an absolute pleasure. So much good stuff here. If any communities out there are struggling with understanding some of this stuff, reach out to Mary Kate. She has a wealth of knowledge about this type of stuff. And it's just, you know, to grow the industry and to move it forward. I think these are the things that we need to be doing on a daily basis to, to keep moving it forward. But I really appreciate it. That was an amazing conversation and I took a lot out of it. Thank yes. You so thank you so much for having me. I had a blast. It's awesome. Well, thank you guys for listening to another episode of the podcast. Until next time.